Oh, the yep. dog farted. Get it. <laughs> All right, welcome to episode 2030 <laughs> of No Putts Given. On today's show, we're going to find out about a secret ball from Bridgestone that's already adding 10 yards to Kucher. Prototype. <laughs> We've got a Duffner signing from Cobra Golf slash Dude Wipes. Dude wipes. <laughs> Is lighter better? We're going to find out. Cobra has come out with a new driver in Fairway Woods that are called the F-Max. If you're 50 years and over and you've got problems getting it up, this might be <clears> for you. <clears throat> and are you actually playing what the fa- your favorite tour pro is playing on tour? And last but not least, did TaylorMade pay Tony off to say that they were going to have the number one selling driver in 2020? Let's get it. No Putts Given is powered by My Golf Spy, the most extensive reviews in golf. Before you buy, My Golf Spy. Nine million readers do it every year. Check us out. We're going to kick this thing off, Tony. Did, hey, did TaylorMade pay you off to say that they had the number one selling driver <laughs> in 2020? Uh, it's amazing, right? You just you just make a prediction. You kind of you look at where the market is and, and kind of what's going on inside the industry that maybe golfers might might not be aware of and people assume that that a company must have paid you to to predict the future right as if how many, uh, <clears throat> how many uh people tweeted out with you saying you you've sold out <laughs> i mean but between twitter not sold out but sort of between twitter and instagram and all the various things like oh taylor may paid how much and it's it's kind of funny like we've literally you know going back to not long after the first m2 driver launch we've literally had one conversation with taylor made and it, it wasn't about cutting me a check i can guarantee you that so <laughs> yeah no it's uh taylor made didn't pay us to uh to uh predict that it'll be the number one selling driver and just as if callaway didn't pay us to tell you that their golf ball wasn't particularly good or uh you know, Titleist didn't pay us many years ago when we when when we were saying maybe they needed not to be so arrogant. Uh, so you know, we say good things about and bad things about lots of different golf companies, and uh, you know, I understand people don't want to believe that we are who we say we are, and we don't take money from the the biggest manufacturers. But that's the reality, and yeah, I can assure you, I'm not living high off tailor-made money right now. I don't know any better way to put it, but um, <laughs> ten years of this, ten years now, my gosh, should be you should be immune to it. I should be. I am actually now, but well, yeah, it's, I, yeah, it's just it's like, come on, really? Like, of all the things Taylor made might pay us to do, right? To to predict the future on something <laughs> that I have no control over, they have no control over above and beyond their own marketing efforts. I mean, come on, yeah. The thing I don't really get is ten years of doing my golf spy. I have yet to accept a single dollar from any of the large golf companies, right? Not any golf manufacturers. I don't know another golf media outlet that hasn't. Like, name them, please. But that being said. Do you think in 10 years I would sell out for like a putter or a club that has like next to 0% market share? First of all, that's the one that always gives me. You sold out for Evenroll. Evenroll has 0% market share. What? Why would I wait 10 years to sell it for that? Um, Taylor made having Tony predict a driver. What? I mean, what does that get us long term? This is a this is a long game plan for my golf spy to change the industry. Selling out for some stupid shit like that makes zero business sense. So just anybody out there, I'm looking at you right in the camera now. Trust me, 10 years, never accepted a dollar. Mark it down, get a tattoo of it on your forehead. I don't know what you got to do, but it ain't happening. Short answer, no. They didn't yeah. pay me. <laughs> 
All right, next Jesus up Christ. is Duffner no. signing with Cobra Goff, right? So they signed Jason Duffner, or as somebody called him on Instagram, Duff Daddy. Duff Daddy. Don't ever, a Duff don't Daddy. ever say that That's again. That's a thing. Don't, don't, don't ever, ever say, say that, that again. again. <laughs> <No>. Anyway. <laughs> I don't think they could have. I don't think they could have got a more boring person. Boring. Yeah, I don't find them. Dude wipes his ass with dude wipes, man. Oh. That's not boring. Yeah, but I don't want to look at or hear anything about that. <laughs> hey. But they got Ricky Fowler, who's a great ambassador. <laughs> Tony's duffering right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but at the end of the day, I've never met the guy. To be honest with you. Well, true, but you um, you see him on on TV and he looks like he's mo- emotionless. <clears throat> His all face right. is just always flat. So he was a Titleist ambassador up until early 2018 and then went, you know, solo, which, you know, he made that decision to kind of go uh, sponsorless for a while until now. Now with Cobra. So, Tony, what do you think? Good move, bad move? Who gives a damn move? It's a move. Anytime a brand signs a tour ambassador, there's an objective in play, right? And so if you look at, at where Cobra is, they're. They had a good year, right? Their their sales are up, uh, but what they don't have is a particularly large tour staff, right? It's essentially on the PGA tour, it's Bryson and Ricky. They've got Lexi on the LPGA tour, and that's that's kind of the extent of it. So bringing Duffner in is is sort of like adding another guy. If your goal is TV time, right, to to have your product seen on TV during a tournament and potentially in the bag of a winner, you got to have guys. And so Duffner gives them a guy. They give him, I think there's, right, upside potential, if you will. Right now he's ranked, I believe it's 218th in the world. He's missed 13 cuts in his last 25 starts. Yeah, do you think he's uh, actually going to move the needle for Cobra? So that's the other piece of it. No, just 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 putting you know his name on a, on a contract doesn't move the needle. But he's, he's a guy that's known to be kind of smart about equipment, understands gear, likes to talk about gear. So True. that that may help them in some respect. And I kind of liken it to, to betting on a horse, right? You know what the odds are. And, and based on current or recent performance, they're, they're long odds on Duffner, which means, you know, terms of these contracts are always undisclosed. But it's a safe bet. They're not paying him a metric shit ton of money here. And so the oper- there's an opportunity to to kind of cash in on a long shot, if you will. Well, I think I think it's a good it's a good move by Cobra because I think they need more people on their staff, get a little bit more presence on tour. All comes down to what your objective is, right? So if you're looking to have the most people play your product, so you can claim we're the well, num- number one most played, or you're getting dudes, right, that have like a a vibe to them and a presence, and they have TV coverage. Um, yeah, it just depends, right? Everybody's objectives are different, but that brings up a bigger question, Art, and that is, are golf manufacturer sponsorships still relevant in 2020 compared to, you know, 10, 20 years ago, right? We know that golfers like to buy based on what they see their favorite pro playing. But, Do they? You know, yeah, and, you know, that brings up the next question, which is, are you even playing what you think your pro, the pro that you like, is actually playing? Meaning, you watch a guy out there that's playing a certain ball or club or whatever, you go out there and buy that. Are you actually playing the same thing they're playing? 
Well, that's that's kind of the Twitter question, right? So that's the, a tough the one, argument yeah. is like signing these guys matters because guys want to play what their favorite golfer plays, and that's the assertion. And you're like, all right, you're making that assertion, but are you personally the guy telling me that guys want to play what their favorite golfers play or pros play? Are you, are you playing that? Are you playing a full set of bag uh, of TaylorMade stuff because Tiger Wood plays it? Nike had Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy, inarguably the the two best golfers at the time, the two biggest needle movers with the possible exception of Ricky Fowler at the time. And were they anything close to the number one brand in any category? No, no. So Tiger Woods didn't elevate Nike. If you look at, at TaylorMade, who is in that same position now, right? They have Tiger Woods. They have Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson and Jason Day and John Rahm. You get the idea. This is a long and growing list, right? Their market share, where they are in the market today, isn't nearly as strong as it was before they signed both of those or either of those guys. Which brings me to the great question. How do golf companies determine the value of a player and what they should pay him? You know, we've talked to companies, right? And it's not as cut and dry as you think. So let me give you an example of an internet situation which is easily defined. X amount of visitors come into a site, X amount of those visitors buy whatever product you're selling, right? There is trackable, definable, hard data sets that you can go, it costs me this much to bring in this person to my website and I make this much off, right? That's easily to define that. So I know that what I should be spending on. Mm -hmm. The formula for this is, is kind of a, you know, for lack of a, a better term, just like an educated guess. And like Tony said, it's almost like betting on a horse. At the end of the day, you have no clue if that horse is going to actually move the needle well, and win for yeah. you. But going back to the question where the, if you're, if you are playing what your best pro is playing, the favorite pro, it's likely that you're not even playing, even though this says the same thing on the driver or whatever, or the ball, or whatever, it's likely that it's probably not the same. Well, one great specs. example for that that we get a lot, right? When we did the Callaway, or Tony did the Callaway Find It Cut It series, and people were shocked. They're like, there's no way that this can be true because my the guy, Phil Mickelson, he's awesome. He plays his ball. Case in point, Tony, does, does Phil Mickelson play the ball that you're buying at retail? No, Phil Mickelson is not playing a, a retail Chrome Soft. This is this is not going to shock anybody who read our ball test and, and kind of understands performance characteristics of golf balls. The ball Phil is playing is higher compression than what's at retail, right? And that's a and and I think probably on the driver side it's overblown. People people tend to assume that that what the pros play are radically different than what what's on on the retail shelves. And yeah, they're. They're going to take a closer look at CT, and they're going to do everything they can to put the fastest head in those guys' hands. But the products themselves aren't really any different above and beyond manufacturing tolerances. But on the golf ball side, yeah. I mean, certainly you see different models in play for some brands. And, and again, it varies brand to brand for sure. For Titleist, it's, it's something like 85-plus percent are playing one of the two retail balls, and that was before Left Dash hit the market, and so that, that probably gets us closer to 90%, and then there's just a couple other variations that they use. TaylorMade has had some, some variations out there as well, and, of course, Callaway, and Callaway is the unique case because they're the, the Bridgestone balls, right? Retail is what, what Bryson's playing. Retail is what, what Tiger's playing. Callaway's kind of a unique case because their market position is, hey, we're going to go with this, this lower compression, slower golf ball, right? Let's, let's not forget soft is slow. That's a real thing, especially off the tee. 
And and the faster you swing, the more you're going to notice that speed loss. So for a guy like Phil Mickelson, who's what? What's his club head speed now with, with the work he's been doing? Right. So over 120 miles an hour, he is going to over-compress the hell out of anything in the in the Callaway retail lineup. So, yeah, that's a different ball. Um, so, I mean, we've kind of gotten a little off track here. But, yeah, um, the thing I would say or you really need to think about when this argument of, well, I play what the pros play or people want to buy what the pros play. The the golf market is essentially two segments, right? So, you know, if you, you look at the the numbers from like the the NGF or, or golf data tech, it, it tells you there's plus or minus. I think the number they use is, is 24 million golfers. Call it 25, right? Whatever, if you want a nice round number. But of those 25, only about 6 million of those are what you would call the core avid golfer. That's the guy who who replaces his clubs more often. So this is that's going to be the group that has the guy that replaces driver every year, every year or two. His iron replacement cycle maybe two or three years instead of six or seven. So that's the guy who's buying the bulk, the overwhelming majority of the new golf equipment that comes out every year. That's the guy that, that brands have to sell to. And the trade-off is that is a guy who's going to be far more educated, right? He's going to read My Golf Spot. He's going to read other sites like ours. He's going to read Club Test. He's going to get fitted for every piece or a good bit of what goes into his bag. Ultimately, He's playing for money, not a lot of money, but he's he's in a weekend game that that could cost him two bucks or ten bucks or a hundred bucks, whatever it is. And so he's going to be significantly more focused on getting equipment that works well for him, as opposed to well, you know, Tiger Woods plays X, so I, I like Tiger, so I'm going to play that. So I think that these these sponsorships may help you reach the guy who's buying less equipment, but when it comes to a more educated golfer, the kind of golfers we speak to for sure, I, I don't think there's much of a needle that's being moved at all. And if it is, if you kind of look at, at the, the structure and, and who's worth what from a marketing standpoint, it's tier one is Tiger, right? Nobody moves the needle like Tiger. And having said that, I don't think he's selling, helping TaylorMade sell significantly more gear. He's probably helping Bridgestone sell more golf balls because it's a lot easier to try something that's $40 than it is $500, right, and feel comfortable with it. So speaking a lot about golf balls right there, uh, there is another new golf ball that's coming out. A prototype. That, <laughs> yeah, a prototype from Bridgestone that we've been hearing about for a while. Yeah, we have. And that it's they're really excited about it. And, you know, they're starting to leak out some information that, you know, guys are putting into play, DeChambeau and now Kuchar. And they're Kuchar this week, yep. Yep, and they're saying he's adding 10 yards off the tee, mile and a half ball speed, um, which basically comes from what, spin reduction? Yeah, so, and again, let's, let's be clear, like, Bridgestone is really excited about this new ball. And, and when we see it, I think, I think the story they're going to talk about is greenside spin. And when I say greenside, I mean like 65 yards and in and, and even like 15-yard shots, right? We've talked a bit th- about this. That seems to be where they're, they're really kind of seeing, a on percentage, a massive jump in spin. So uh, that being said, they are saying it, it'll be a little longer off the tee, a uh, little bit more ball speed. But in Kuchar's case, this 10-yard thing, don't expect Bridgestone to tell you, buy this ball, you're going to get 10 more yards. What they're really saying is that, that Kuchar's distance gains are, are coming from spin optimization. And realistically, what that means is, hey, uh, this new prototype ball uh, just looks to fit him quite a bit better than, than the last one he was playing. i tell you what, it's, though, for a 15-yard shot, if their spin increases are that much... That's a game changer because massively. I mean, think about that, right? That's what I need right there. That's what every golfer wants, right? Fifteen right. yard shot, check Control. up, stop it where you want it to, right? 
You know, there are certainly guys who will, who can hit a hundred yard wedge, for example, and spin it way, way too much. But yeah. it's it's very rare that on a fifteen yard shot where your club head velocity is is next to nothing that guys are overspinning it. So if you can deliver more greenside spin and a little bit more ball speed off the driver, right, and and have all that come together without impacting the performance negatively in other areas, so you're not overspinning and you're not you know, losing spin off your irons or hitting irons too low, that sort of thing. If you can kind of deliver on that kind of spec, then you have a golf ball that is on paper. And again, we haven't seen this ball. This this could be just the, the same kind of marketing you see around every new release, right? There there could be absolutely nothing to this. But if it proves to be real, that, that kind of green side benefit would be a huge incentive for a lot of golfers to, to move into this golf ball. Do you know why it's going to spin more and you're going to have more control from 15 in are you allowed to say um Do you know? i don't know what i i i don't have specifically the specific information but kind of the the chatter is a a fundamental change to to cover material so i don't know if the, mm. we're talking about a a new flavor of urethane an enhanced urethane or a completely different material i will I will mention that if you go back in and look at some of the the golf patents that have come out over the last several years, you will see a couple different manufacturers, uh, and I believe Bridgestone is one that that have done some experimenting with with resin covers, right? So some sort of resin material. Uh, that's not to say, hey, they've they've taken a Nike core and and put it on the outside of the golf ball, but it, and again, anytime you see a breakthrough in golf. At this stage in the game, it's it's almost always going to be either materials or construction, right? right? And you're you you can you can do a little bit, right? We see golf balls have different layer counts and things like that, and different thicknesses, so you can do some things differently with with construction, but you know it, it still has to be the same size. So any real breakthrough is going to be on the materials front, and so I expect that it's it's going to be a material story. Well, whatever it is, I'm looking forward to giving it a whack. Well, you will be able to give it a whack this year. You know why? Why? Because that's going to be our 2020 ah, that's right, most yeah. wanted new ball that we use for testing. So uh, we've been in talks with Bridgestone for a little while now, and that will be the ball that we move to for most wanted testing next year. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. We're, we're moving to a ball we haven't seen and don't fully understand the, uh, the performance characteristics <laughs> that it brings to the table. And technically, it's still a prototype, right? So uh, by the time we get it, we'll, we'll be able to drop our air quotes. Um, Based on what we know about the ball and what we have been told about how the ball will perform, it will be a better ball for most wanted testing for a, a larger swath of yeah. our testers and the consumers. And for, um, from our perspective, making the switch wasn't like, ooh, we, we think this new ball is going to be super awesome and we want to use it. It was just a case of coming out of the ball test and looking at not only the data that we saw in the ball test from the, perform- the, uh, the performance we saw from, from the Tor BX, is it also just kind of looking at what we were getting from the RX. And, and really the specific issue with that is, you know, our test, we, we have a wide range of, of golfers. Harry's club head speed is now over 125 miles, or 120 anyway, right? 120. So whatever, yeah, so Harry's swinging 120. Sam was up around 115, and we had guys that were faster than Harry still. And, and so what we're seeing with the guys that were swinging much over 100 miles an hour, we were seeing degradation in ball speed. Uh, and, and we think we're going to see less degradation of ball speed at 
with the X, then, then yeah, the consequence would be sort of dropping ball speed with an RX for slower swing speed players. I was a little bit disappointed with my ball speeds on the, off the driver when it came to testing. It was the ball we needed at the time, and now we needed to evolve. And so I'm looking forward to seeing yeah. how much it jumps up in my own personal uh, ball speed category. I would say one to two. Yeah, and, and the other piece of it, too, when we look back and, you know, readers have said, well, you obviously didn't do something wrong or this data isn't valid and sort of discounting the contribution of the golf ball. But when we kind of look at, at our spin numbers on irons and, and wedges as well, we kind of feel like, yeah, I think, I think if we're, we're trying to optimize for our test pool as a whole, we're going to want something that, that spins a little more there, too, as well. And I think we're going to get that. Our golf ball for our, our most wanted testing needs to be a single variable. And so we have to say across our entire pool of, with a driver test, 35 testers, which one of these is going to hit, you know, kind of the sweet spot or be more in the middle, however you want to phrase it. And for us, you know, again, looking at the data out of the ball test and really understanding what we're playing with, the, the X looks like a better fit for, for our testing. All right, moving on. Next up on No Putts Given, we've got a new release from Cobra called the Cobra F-Max. That's the driver, fairy woods, irons, the whole bang caboodle, right? Shibang. So, listen up. If you're over 50 and you have trouble getting it up, uh, these might be for you because these Cobra has been helping golfers get it up longer than Viagra. We can't take credit for that line, but we also aren't allowed to say where it came from. So, yeah. (laughs) But it's true. It's true. This is Tony's new driver. No, whole new set. <laughs> whole new set for Tony. He's you know he fits the demographic fifty plus, but almost not there yet. I'm, yeah, higher I'm, handicap. I'm like three years away. And no, come on. I'm at least mid handicap, and I'm like three years. <laughs> I'm about three years away from like hey, you know, you can you can move to the villages and play F Max. <laughs> so yeah. So what is the F Max? Right. Let's let's just focus on the drive right now. That. Let's face it, there's not like revolutionary advances in technology anymore when it comes to drivers right now. Hasn't been for years. So what you see a lot of companies doing is build a club for a very specific subset of golfers, right? So instead of giving you, hey, this is the biggest, baddest driver ever, now they're trying to give the biggest, baddest driver to everybody, for everybody, right? So for example, the F9 Speedback might not be the best driver for a guy that's 65 years old, right? Cobra F Max might help him get it up. Get what I'm saying? So, um, how that how do they do that, Tony? How is the Cobra F Max applying the right type of whatever you want to call it technology or weight configuration to help golfers that are 50 plus that are having you know struggling getting the ball in the air and you know the things that uh, the golfer that needs this club? What did they do for that golfer? Is it as simple as they've just put a Viagra pill in in the head somewhere? I mean, it's basically two things, right? It's it's loft, right? We're going to give these guys more loft, and Cobra's being somewhat transparent about the fact that if you if you buy a ten and a half degree F Max head, the the actual loft's going to be a degree plus more than that. So, um, they're helping through higher loft. And the other thing, the big thing is just taking weight out of the the total club, right? So you're going to trim a little weight out of the head, a little weight out of the shaft, a little weight out of the grip. A lighter head for slower swing speed players, a lighter club, you can swing faster. And if you can swing faster, you're going to get more speed. And if you're going to get more speed, you're going to hit the ball higher. And you're going to have more fun in theory because now you're hitting it 
not maybe as far as you used to back in your day, but a little bit longer than you were before you this club came into your life. And, and for sure, right, Cobra's not doing this by themselves. It's it's the whole premise behind the Zexio brand and, and what we saw recently from Honma and uh, the Titleist TS1, similar, similar thing, right? So basically better performance through weight savings for a very specific demographic of golfers. So, yeah, so is lighter better? Well, it's not for everybody, but let's face it. For somebody that, even younger golfers, I'm sure, I mean, I had it happen to me, I remember, uh, quite often. You get to the 14th hole, it's hot out, you've been grinding all day, you start to get a little fatigued, right? So your swing speed does, and we see it even with testers, which is something we had to consider in our testing years ago, which is tester fatigue and diminishing returns of data. So after a certain amount of swings, we're human, you start to drop off in your swing speed and your performance. So a lighter club could benefit golfers that have that issue. And the older you get, the more you yeah, have. I feel that like issue. that's a it's a good it's a good fit for junior in between juniors and adult. Like you're in that kind of weird transition stage where you're growing and getting stronger, but you're not quite there for the the big boy clubs. Yeah. Um, but you're too good for the junior set. I think now because I used to I went to ladies back then, you know. Um, I went for the lighter club back then, and it worked out perfectly for me. This is this is one of these things, right? We we've talked before about how how Ping looks at a lot of kind of different areas. Again, and and I think most companies are doing this. You hope most companies are doing it, where you sort of realize, like, hey, there there's only so much more performance we can get doing what we've always done, and so we have to kind of look in other places to help golfers play better. And so one of the things Ping is looking at is how, do, how does the weight of, of not just your driver, but the full set of clubs, right? How does how does that impact you over the course of a round? You know, a textbook example, right? A, a, a typical shaft, iron shaft used to be 125, 130 grams. Now, you know, some of these are as low as 65 in graphite stock. And so the theory being, hey, if, if I can save weight on every club in the bag, I save energy every time I swing it. And so by the time I get into 16th, 17th, 18th holes, which, you know, textbook example, me at La Costa, where you can depend on, on me just shitting my pants on my way out, you know, into the clubhouse. If we can avoid that kind of thing by making clubs lighter, then hey, maybe again, it's it's this quiet, sneaky little way we can help golfers play better. Yep, totally agree. The majority of golf clubs are sold to golfers that shouldn't be playing them. Because think yeah. about it, right? The majority of golfers that play golf that have the time and have the money, most of them are worked their whole life and are retired. And that's who has the most time to play golf. Generally speaking, they're not swinging to the degree that the gearheads yeah. reading my golf spy or WRX are, right? That are playing the hottest shit that just came out. I mean, to be honest with you, we should be covering FMAX type clubs more often than we do because they are fitting, they fit better a larger swath of the demographic of golfers. A growing a growing demographic, right? This is this is real. Like as as a whole, as a game, golf is not getting younger. It's not it's not even sort of staying where it is. It's it's getting older. And so these type of clubs are probably going to become more prevalent and a, a larger portion of the market in, in the years to come. Yeah, let's come. face it. Uh fifteen year olds don't need Viagra, right? I mean this is where it's at. It's Cobra <laughs> FX. You know we, what I mean? We went right to 15, huh? <laughs> well, 18 whatever, year olds, please. Whatever age, <laughs> whatever age you want to apply to that, uh, they don't need that, right? Um, well, for, for instance, that club, when I 
when I was swinging the um, Zexio, I couldn't control where the ball was going. And I know I'm a I'm an outlier. You're not who that club. I know, for. I know. But it, that's why I was trying to get with Tony is where is the cutoff where you think because it gets to a point where. There is a point of diminishing returns, right? Yeah. So you are that diminishing return. You reach a certain level to where that lighter, faster, whatever m- is actually going to hurt you more than yeah. it's going to help exactly. you. Exactly. But they're building for the main target audience, which is like Tony said, it's the average swing speed. So they're building for a little bit of a range above that and a little bit of a range below that. And that's who those clubs are better for. Yeah. And well, I, when I say better, I don't mean like we don't know, but in theory, it makes a lot more sense than, like Tony said, swinging 125 gram dynamic gold from back in you know yeah. 2000. That feels like you're swinging a damn two by four after 12 holes, you know. Yeah. And the other the other thing to keep in mind with the F Max offering is that Cobra continues to offer an offset version. So not every you have your choice, right? Offset, no offset. And you know, I think I think offset is better than 50% of their sales traditionally. So that's the other thing. There aren't a lot of companies that, that offer a club where it's like, you know, visibly the face is, is moved yeah. back a little bit behind the hosel. And if you're a, you're a guy who your whole life has sliced the ball and never been able to, to, to fix it, you know, it's not going to guarantee to take your slice away, but it, it's going to mitigate it and it's going to help you out. And, you know, again, it's, it's not something a lot of companies offer because a lot of golfers historically don't want to look at offset, but Cobra, Cobra seems to understand that, you know, there are guys who, who not only are comfortable looking at it, actually prefer it. And so, uh, hell, why not Why I, not give it to them? I remember that. I remember that growing up as a junior that my, one of my friends had a, um, a ladies uh, Cobra. I can't remember the, um, what model it was, but it was so offset. It was about like half an inch back and it was intimidating for, for me. People can say what they want, but in my past uh, retail experience of seeing kind of the sales figures... People, like Tony said, might not like to look at it, but they were a consistent seller every year right. for the guy that had ever played one because it works. And it might be tough to look at, but if so you're... If they can get past that. If you're a guy that sliced it for 20 years and no matter what you've tried or done, mm-hmm. you still blow it off to the you know the next fairway off to the right, the offset driver gives you so much more confidence and the ability... Think about that. If you slice it over to the next fairway for 20 years, you're embarrassed to play golf with a lot of people, right? Right. It's tough. Yeah. And you're you're basically playing in a cart by yourself all day. Yeah. Um, so to be able to grab a driver that's not offered by many people and be able to fix that problem, I'm glad that Cobra offers it. And, you know, it, it's there for a reason. It works. Yeah. No, I think it's a good, a good, uh, good way to go. So any uh, last remarks on the F-Max and... And what else Cobra might be coming out with also very soon? Well, we right, we talk about F Max is for a very specific demographic, and you know, uh, give us a few more days next Tuesday specifically. You're going to see what what Cobra has for kind of the rest of the world, so to speak. So, hey. um, if F Max oh, isn't excited. for you, hang out for a few days. Very nice. Next week, I'm wearing the mullet on no putts given. That's going to happen. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Tuesday then. <laughs> I'm going to let my yeah. hair, my hair, my 1090 flow in the wind. Oh my gonna, God. If, well, if I had a Joe Dirt poster, I'd hang it on the wall. So. <laughs> I want to cut we, your hair off. If might you have to that. send you one. Huh? Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to get you for Christmas. <laughs> a what? A big ass mullet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's finishing up. No putts given this week. Uh, just a couple uh, finishing notes. Uh, tomorrow we have our tester party. 
And what that is is just every day from pretty much seven in the morning to seven at night, we run kind of two shifts during the year to be able to accommodate the amount of golfers that have to come through our test facility to provide enough uh, data for us to be able to publish other stuff. And they dedicate a lot of their time and energy to coming into the facility to provide that for us on a volunteer basis. And as a thank you, we have a tester party every year where we give back to them most of the equipment in the facility. Yep. Um, so how it works Should I fly is we, in for that? No, we know you're teasing, man. Stop messing with us. Sam's not even here to mess with it anymore. So. <laughs> Basically, how it works is everybody gets some fake money. I think ten dollars or $20,000 of fake money at the beginning of the night. We have a casino night. And at the end of the night, whatever money you have left, you we auction off all the equipment. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We, the games we have, this year we have Zombie Golf. So that's some gonna cool be, stuff I, with the, I'm addicted did you to that. the uh, pretty cool from full side. Did you do the the, for, the 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 fairgrounds one too? That one's There's really a cool too. One? Yeah, download fairgrounds, man. It's like targets on a on a carnival kind of thing. Yeah, that's cool. All right, so we try that, and then we got long drive. Um, Chippo doesn't seem fair. Chippo is cool. <laughs> Tony, Harry's gonna win all the all the equipment pack. <laughs> Harry's not it's allowed mine. to participate in that. Yeah, so last year we had a ball retriever competition where we extended the ball retriever like 35 feet. You had to try to get a ball out of a pond, and uh, each ball had a number on it. Each number was a uh, you get some money if you if each ball had a had a representation of um, how much money you would get. Yeah, so the guys have a good time, and um, it's always good fun. So uh, for those of you out there that don't know, yesterday we did a donor raffle, and we want to just once again thank everybody that donated during the year of 2019 and during the live raffle. We donated back $15,000 worth of equipment that you helped us purchase for equipment testing, and tomorrow we'll give another fifteen or 20000 equipment away to our testers. So... It's cool. Some of these people walk out with a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. It's it's good to see because they're so happy. Yeah. It's cool. Um, those it's guys, good too. To, and to I give mean, back to those guys. I don't, I don't think people understand. Like, <laughs> it, it's why we sometimes struggle to have testers. And, you know, I was talking to uh, Lou Stagner last week, and he mentioned, like, one of his buddies kind of reached out about testing and not really fully understanding, like, the commitment involved. Like, it's it's multiple sessions. You don't come in for an hour, man. You're you're coming in several times over the course of several weeks. It's twice weeks a week for an hour 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 ago. So it's it's a big commitment, and that's for three or four weeks for one test. Right, that's one test, right? And so, yeah. I mean, there, there's a reason why we don't have complete overlap all the way from from driver test to wedge test. I mean, it's got to be what close to what more than a hundred guys. We, we have, we have to 75 to 80 guys that we can call well, on. Well, cons- consistent. We got two hundred, about 200 on the tester list, Correct. and we have yeah. 75 to 80 that are consistent, right? I mean, even talking to like Ping, they were pretty impressed. They said, man, the player testing is really difficult, right? It's just hard to schedule. People get sick. People go out of town. It's a lot to manage, and these guys – to be honest with you, the 75 or 80 that we have that are constantly in there, they come in and hang out a lot during the day. Um, I see them come in, you know, Harry and Sam have become really good friends with a lot of them. Uh, so it's a good time. It's a good community. It's cool. And um, if it wasn't for them, uh, we wouldn't have most wanted. So Yeah, and we're always looking for new testers. So if you are in the area, obviously if you're in New York and across the country, you unfortunately can't be a tester at the facility. Um but if you're local, please drop your head in or shoot me an email. Um, we'd love to hear from you. 
Hey, Harry, just because you failed to mention in all that local stuff, specifically, where is our test facility? Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, Yorktown, Virginia. Um, Newport where, News. Yeah, it's where News? England lost the battle. So no, you know where we're going. Yeah, we're located in Yorktown, Virginia, which is near Williamsburg, near Virginia Beach, Virginia, east coast of Virginia, uh, about an hour south of Richmond. So if you are in the area, by all means, stop by. We have an open door policy. Anybody can stop in anytime. Uh, doors always unlocked. Walk in, check out the place. Love to have you. And uh, if you do head down, let us know. Give us a heads up. And we generally try to take care of those people that come in and do that with a couple cool little gifts. So anyway, that's it for episode 23-0 of No Putts Given. We out.